Shareable is part of C-Suite Radio. say that season two is going to be absolutely incredible because in season two i have a co-host co-host say hello hello that's caroline she's now my co-host so season two of shareable is going to be a little bit different we're still talking about people and technology but we're going to go a little bit deeper a master class so grab your favorite pen and your favorite piece of paper and get ready to take some notes because this is shareable Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Shareable. My name is Jeff Gibbard, and I am your host, and I am joined by my co-host. Caroline Stone. Hello. That's right. And this kicks off what we are calling Sales Week. Week. We didn't plan that, but that just happened. That was good. We're we're talking all about sales, the different um, methods of selling, the things to think about, the process, prospecting, closing, building rapport, all those different sort of things. And we thought, you know what? If we're going to do this... We should do it right. Hell yeah. We should do it right. And and to do it right, what's the best thing that we could probably do? Mm. Go get a badass guest. Go, or get, go get two, two badass two guests. Two badass guests? No. Yes. No. Well, you know what? We're going to do it. You know. So, in fact, um, two guests. Say hello and introduce yourselves. You go first. Hi, I'm Jen Gluckow. And you're from? My company is Sales <laughs> in the New York Minute. Oh, uh, my name is Jeffrey Gittimer. I am a king of sales, and I wrote the Little Red Book of Selling, the largest selling sales book of all time. Yeah, you know, no big deal. Just right. brush that dirt off okay, your but, shoulder. No, no, no. It's more important to tell you I'm from Philly. That is true. I'm a genuine Philadelphian. I'm not a bullshit person from from Columbus, Ohio. Or Jeffrey, there are some St. nice Louis, people Missouri. from Columbus, Ohio. Oh, right. They're wonderful. But they've never had the door slammed in their face 400 times and told to <laughs> F off. But you didn't have that happen to you in Philly. You had that happen to you from where I'm from, New York. Got it. So <laughs> I, I cold this. called in Manhattan for three years and up yours is a greeting. And in that time, in the 70s, when you could actually get into an office, I cold called people and learned my craft. I learned by them saying yes. I learned by them saying no. Uh, there are some guttural examples of it, which I will not give on the, on, the, on the podcast. But it's important to understand that you learn from every yes and you learn from every no. If you're, if you're willing to take the lesson or if you just want to whine about it and get a pacifier, then you're, you, have a, you have a serious problem. God, you are I so Philly. It. You are you so Philly. Pacifiers. Right. I love this because you two are are you're you're basically elements of my personality. See, I'm from New York, transplanted to Philly. I'm 50/50 at this point, and I'm loving both of your styles. So for our audience that that for some reason have not heard of these two fabulous individuals, like please tweet us because you need to understand that like we we closed this sale to get these two. This was this yeah. was us in sales. I sent Jeff I, uh, Jeffrey. I sent you what three or four emails, and I was like, "Hey, hey, uh, you should be on our show." Hey, by the way, you're a Philly guy. Hey, this, and finally we got in touch with you, and we have you on the show, and we are super excited to have you both here. Yeah. This is so cool. Yeah. All right. So here's this is the deal. Now there's people listening, and they want to know more about sales. They do. That's actually the point. they don't want to know more about sales. They want to know why people buy. Which is how well they think they want to know more about sales right, exactly. or about how to sell, but they actually want to know why this person is going to purchase from them, and that's to me that is the biggest differentiator that I offer to the marketplace. 
I well, don't want a satisfied customer. I want a loyal customer. Well, that's I don't the wanna... quote of yours, right? It's people don't right. like to be sold, but they love to buy. Exactly mm-hmm. correct. And it's trademark, so you not owe me a quarter. <laughs> TM. <laughs> or, when I, or when I come to Philly, you can give me a pretzel. Yeah. Yes. Be a quarter. I'll buy you a Dutch pickle. An Amish pickle. Yeah. Amish Dutch. Yeah. I want so, the half done ones. I don't want the full. Oh yeah, I like them too. They're much better. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So today I want to take people through some very, very practical things. Um, so sales, it, you know, usually we walk through this kind of um, sequence of, of different things that we, we get to. But I think that this is going to be a much more free-flowing conversation based upon our prior to getting started jibber-jabber. We've been going back and forth. But typically we ask, you know, who's the ideal audience for this episode? Who are we going to help? But is there anybody that's not in sales these days? Well, people, you know, somebody says, well, everyone's in sales. That's bullshit. Not everyone's in sales. And a lot of people hate salespeople. But everyone can influence someone. And if it's an internal influence to an external person, if it's someone who answers the phone. So you have to be a persuader an influencer and a positive person. And that automatically puts you into the sales realm. But it doesn't mean that you got to go sell something. All you have to do is be nice. But a lot of people don't think that they're in sales when in reality, they they are are in sales. Right. The accounting department is in sales. Exactly. (laughs) Everyone's a representative, essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they're in some way the voice of the company. Well, before, so before we even get too much into that, um, let's talk a little bit about your your two perspectives on this. So, so Jeffrey, you were talking a bit about like kind of uh, cutting your teeth on cold calling and learning what works, what what doesn't work. So, you have this perspective of sales that has been formed through your experience, and Jen, you have yours. Let's touch on both of those briefly. So, Jeffrey, your start in sales and the way that you formulated your perspective. Can you talk a bit about that experience? Well, I never actually made a cold call. What I did is I made a targeted call, and that's a big difference. So I wanted, for example, one of my targets was to sell Coppertone, the Coppertone T-shirt with the, with the little dog pulling the girl's bathing suit down. <laughs> one of my targets was to sell Mad Magazine, the Alfred E. Newman shirt. One of my targets was to sell Revlon, the Charlie shirt. So I never – yes, I called the people directly – but they were a target of mine, and I was prepared for the call. Now, in the 70s, it was really hard to prepare for a call. There's no Google. There's no Internet. There's no cell phone. There's, there's no nothing. You just kind of went along. If I needed to make a call, I had to duck into a payphone like Superman. So uh, it was a different time, and you could actually get into an office, and I would take freight elevators to, to call on people. But the bottom line is it was a way. But I knew really early on that if I just cold called somebody, I would die, totally die. And for me, in my early days, I realized I I had begun by cold calling and trying to make relationships in an industry where I had no relationships. And then I began cold knocking on school doors and trying to get into schools that way, just showing up. I'm here, you know, hope they'll see me. And I realized a, a couple of months in that Getting the introduction from someone who knew the person I was trying to meet was so much more powerful than just showing up. And so I would make it a point if I was in a random area in one of my territories and I had a good relationship where I'd built nice rapport with a a prospect or a customer to say, I noticed there's these five schools because I was selling to schools at the time in the area. Do you know these principles? Can you help me talk to them? Can you introduce me? And they would. And then I began getting heavily involved in networking because I saw the power of a referral and an introduction. 
So both of you are talking about being very targeted about your, your process of sales. One of you, uh, Jen, you're talking mainly about using your network and developing and building a network to be able to get to people. And Jeffrey, you seem to be very much like bull in a china shop run into it, but in a very targeted way. Um, is that kind of a, a good summary of the way that you both kind of came to this and, and developed your uh -huh. perspectives? I don't. I consider myself a ballet dancer, not a bull. Okay. And and I put myself. Do you have the in, tap shoes? Uh, I do. Yeah. Um, but I I wanted to make certain that I could make a contact and be prepared. And I I had already had experience in cold calling in New York City. I my I manufactured uh, leisure furniture, beanbag chairs, in the late '60s. And I would go into somebody's place of business with a beanbag over my arm, over my shoulder, a big furry one, <laughs> walk into the furniture buyer's office, and, and which I did many times, but the, most, the best one was Bloomingdale's, where I walked into the guy's office and I said, have you ever sat in one of these? He goes, no. I said, well, why don't you sit in it? He goes, all right. And he sits down in it and I gave him an order form and I said, just fill this out. <laughs> and he did. And, and That's amazing. That, Either you have the balls or you don't have the balls. And you get balls in Philly and you get balls in New York and you don't have them anywhere else. <laughs> well, so so where'd you get them? I mean, where, how, how'd you get to the point where you... They, now, well, Jeff. Well, I, you like, go to the this, ball store. <laughs> no, but like not a lot of people are going to be able to, you know, some people don't even want to pick up the phone. Some people don't even want to send a sales email. Some people don't even want to introduce what their company does because they can't get the words out of their mouth. And you're walking in there with a beanbag you know chair. Then, then they need to get a job at a department store saying, can I help you? You know, the one thing that mm -hmm. Jeffrey keeps mentioning is growing up in New York and selling in New York. And the thing that New York does to you is it helps you create thick skin. You don't care if someone says no because you've already heard no 50 times. And if, right. you, if you do care, you're probably not going to stay in New York. It's not the right <laughs> place for you. And, and, if you do, and if you do care, it's, it's probably because you don't have a belief system in your, in your soul that allows you to do it. And you're not ready. You're not targeted for the sale. You're not prepared to go in and get a yes. Yeah. Um, you know, when someone says they're not interested, that means you're not interesting. <laughs> and Ooh. you have to look at it from that perspective. You you don't blame other people. You take responsibility for it. You just oh. said something super interesting. Sorry, to, I just want to jump in on that. You Because when you've been saying preparation, that you were prepared, you were prepared, you were prepared, my, my brain initially went towards – being prepared in terms of having the right information to have a sales conversation. And the way you just used it there is more about mental and emotional preparation to be able to go into those situations. So when you talk about preparation, you're talking about more holistically than I think I originally was thinking. I think it's all faceted. I think it's encompassing both the mental preparation of being able to accept and know, but also the preparation of knowing who the hell you're talking to. That is correct, yes. my dear. You've yeah. got to walk in with an idea and with and with an attitude. Every <laughs> every presentation I've shown up for has been customized for the person I'm selling to. I don't just show up with my PowerPoint or my keynote, right? <laughs> yeah. It's and it does. And I'm, when I say customized, I don't just mean I change their name on the front screen. Yeah, the whole thing woven throughout it has what they're hoping for and what they're looking for, and that takes research and preparation. But then if you don't show up with the right mindset and you're in a bad mood that day, that bad mood is going to come out into the presentation. And I'm going to add one thing to it. I'm a value first person, not an added value person. And let's take the example of me and you today, Jeff. I said, I'm coming to Philadelphia and I'm going to do a couple of seminars. And during the break, you can come on and introduce me and give your five minutes of best sales tips. Were you interested in that? 
Yes. Okay. So, and that's a pretty, for the record, right? For the record, yes. That's a yes. And I said, and all you have to do is promote the hell out of me to your targeted audience. You so, got, and so that's. That's not yeah, but much. imagine if you had reversed that, Jeffrey. Okay, yeah. so if you showed up and you were like, okay, Jeff, I'm coming to Philly. Uh, and I want Philly. you to promote I me. want you to promote the hell out of me, put it up on all your social, get my name <laughs> out there, blah, blah, blah. You're Jeff like, already okay. has in his mind, Why? okay, yeah. like, <laughs> let me think about how much I can charge you for this, you know. Exactly. It's a different conversation. It's true. So and I'm it's gonna funny. Put you up, I'm going to put you up on the platform and I'm going to charge you. That's, <laughs> it's perfect because I was before you guys got on, I was thinking like, oh, I know that that Jeffrey's coming into Philly uh, sometime next year, I was going to say, hey, would it be all right with you if I jumped up on stage and I gave five <laughs> minutes of the best sales tips you've ever – I'm going to knock it out of the park for you. And so he was going to bring the was, same value to oh, you. Good. It's, it's amazing. Fan, you and, can't even knock it out of the infield. And, and I was going to tell you that you could even list in your, your new bio that you've shared the stage with one Jeff Gibber. <laughs> look, free of charge, I'm throwing that in. This is oh, I, went, I went value first and added value. <laughs> and all I ask is that um, – <laughs> you know, you just hype me up before I get on stage. You're really excited to have me there. That's it. That's it. Just understand. Well, you know, you're going to introduce yourself. But, but I'll I, introduce you, Jeff. I think I think that you have to look at what is the not just what is the process by which you make a presentation, but what's the order mm-hmm. in which you make the presentation? How do you go into a place one, two, three, and get it done, and create interest where a person is leaning forward and they want to. Not leaning in, by the way. It's bullshit. Leaning forward. With sorry, interest. Cheryl Sandberg. Yeah. That's what it is. Sorry. He's yeah. not sorry. Yeah. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Listen, she's become an icon and you can't knock that. She sold a lot of books. So, so moving that. on. Yeah, yeah but, but actually before we move on, I want to move back real quick. Um, so, cool. Jen, you had said something about, um, you know, you, you, you talked about, but both you and Jeffrey have talked about selling in New York and the thick skin that that gives you and how that prepares you. So, uh, you know, your you're sales in a New York minute, you, you've obviously added the New York brand as part of the way that you do things, but we might have listeners in Columbus, Ohio. Sorry, Jeffrey. You know, they're nice people too. Um, no, but, they're really. Yeah, hey, I went to school but, in St. Louis. There are yeah. nice people out there. Yeah. So there are, Midwest, I lived there for four years. I lived in, in Indiana for four years. So regardless of the fact, if you're from New York or Philly and you develop this crust, or maybe you're nice and you're from the Midwest or whatever, but there's a certain confidence that you have to bring to sales. There has to be a certain willingness to, to accept a no. What are some of the things that you coach people on that allow them to get into that mindset outside of, well, maybe you're just not cut out for this. How do you get people to No, that I don't take it from the negative perspective. I tell people that they have to ask engaging questions that are emotional-based. They have to get into a dialogue conversation with someone that could potentially find some common interest. They have to do a few minutes worth of research on the person because the, you know, you're going to Google whoever you talk to, right? You Google me, you Google Jen. Well, you think we're not going to Google you? <laughs> Is your you name think Jen? we're not going to find out who the hell you are? <laughs> and and the salesperson has to realize that they're walked in, that they walk in exposed. And I don't want to hear your pitch, and I don't want to hear your crap. I want to hear stuff about me. I want to hear how <laughs> I win. If any, if a salesperson had balls, he would send his presentation or her presentation to the customer the day before and say, "Here's my boring presentation." During my meeting, I want to spend a half an hour talking about you and what you need and how I can fulfill that need. So I think from the positive side, that's, you know, I, I do the same similar stuff, Jeffrey. Um, but there are times where you do get a no and you have to overcome 
that feeling inside where you are upset and you are pissed off because you've been working on the deal for three months and now you lost it to your biggest competitor or you lost it to the guy down the street that you really didn't want to lose that sale to. Or someone thinks my price is too high. And I try, I, if I get a, a, a turn down, I first go to humor. So someone turns me down because my price is too high. I go, oh, I didn't realize you were a cheap bastard. Oh, and my God. It is. Let me tell you something. It's funny. And <laughs> you, may, you may think it's a little insulting, but how many times have I, Jennifer, how many times have I called somebody a cheap bastard? Oh, Thousands. Hundreds. Yeah, exactly. So let me so, ask you this. I want to ask you, I want to pause you on that real quick because I want to know, did you do that before you were Jeffrey Gittimer, Red Book of Sales Jeffrey Gittimer? Yeah. It's <laughs> just been what you've been I doing the whole time. I did it in New York City. Hold on. 74, 84, 94, 04. <laughs> I did it 40 years before I wrote uh, The Little Red Book of Selling. Hmm. 4 30 years before I wrote the, the sales Bible. Okay, so I haven't called people a cheap bastard because I think it's not as becoming from a, a woman. It's not very girly. No, it's just yeah. not. I might be thinking it, but right. Because but I nothing's holding us back in that department. Face. Because when you're in New York City and someone steals a cab from you, you don't say, "Hey, you fucker, get out of my cab." That's different. Oh. You don't know them. <laughs> and they did steal your cab. Yeah, I will upstream all day long. <laughs> Well, let me ask you this. Um, you know, so we all have our perspective on sales. You both have a, a wealth of experience in doing this. And there are some people that are listening, starting out sales week with us, and they're in the position of like, okay, well, obviously I need to have thicker skin. I need to be prepared, all these different things. But what are some of the most common and big mistakes that you think people make when they move into a sales role that may not give them the opportunity to be the success that they could be? So, wow, that's a really um – there's a lot we can do with that yeah. question. Then let's have at <laughs> um, it. What when are some I, when big I started in sales and I was selling Cutco knives, in between every sales call, whether I won the deal or not, and I was going from house to house to house and getting referrals and selling knives or not, but usually selling them, I had to call my manager in between. And what I didn't realize at the time what it was doing, but when I lost the deal or I didn't sell the eight pack of knives and I really or the 16 set and I really wanted to sell the 16 set and I only sold the eight he was pumping me up in between sales calls and he was telling me he was basically resetting my mindset so that by the next visit and wherever I was going next I was excited to go back in there I wasn't bringing the negativity from the last sale and I was just ready to win and I was walking in with confidence and I think that a lot of uh, people who are starting out don't realize that they need that reset. They don't realize that they need to take a step back and say, okay, so I lost that deal, but now I'm going to go in and I'm going to win this deal. And they leave the negative energy behind. So I'm going to throw my two cents in there. If you're a new salesperson, if you don't believe in the company, if you don't believe in yourself, if you don't believe in your product, and if you don't believe that the customer is better off having purchased from you, then you better not make a sales call. So until you have that that belief system and belief that you can differentiate yourself from your competitor, not compare yourself to your competitor, then the company has not prepared you to go out in the field and make a call or pick up the phone and make a call. They've given you a script, and the script usually pretty much blows. 
And the customer can see through that script. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know. You or see through it. the non-belief. They you, can feel it. If you don't believe in it, they can they can feel it across hi, the table. Hi, how are you today? I'm calling from the Police Benevolent <laughs> Society, and I was wondering if you clicked. So, I, I mean, I love this, and I, I can just echo it for myself that uh, two careers ago, before I started my company, I was in charge. I, w- I was accounted accountable for some measure of sales, and I didn't really believe in what the company was selling. I didn't really care. So I consequently didn't do very many sales calls, and I didn't really care about whether or not that mattered to them. Now, once I started my company, I believed in what I was doing. I believed in the product we were selling. And now I'm freaking great at it. So <laughs> well, I, I think passion. belief. <laughs> Look, no, there's a passion involved and I can hear it. Belief yeah. is yeah. huge. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. belief seems to be one of those central components. And then as, as a sales manager, let's say, or somebody that's accountable for a sales team, uh, Jeffrey, I like what you had said, that the company hasn't prepared that person to actually go out and sell. And I think that that's something that a lot of sales managers may overlook is how important it is not just to train them on you know, the nuts and bolts of what does the product do, et cetera, but to ensure that people have the belief in what it provides as a solution for that customer. But there are a lot of companies out there that don't know how to provide the right training. And so if you're going to go work for a company, you need to take it upon yourself to do everything in your power to talk to customers, to talk to other salespeople out there, to figure, to use the product yourself and to gain your own belief. Because otherwise you're just blaming the company that, oh, well, they didn't prepare me enough. Or you're blaming the customer for saying no or that they're not interested. Or yeah, they're not didn't... taking responsibility. Oh. Exactly. Exactly. Got so it. that's that's the charge and that's the challenge. And the, unfortunately, the sales manager is eager to have his person start to, quote, produce. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we need you out there to make a few sales calls. It'll be uncomfortable at first, but you'll get used to it. Don't worry about taking a no. And this guy's like an ass. He they they he they say, well, the guy didn't turn out. The guy didn't work out. The guy was no good. He passed the test we gave him, but he didn't work out as a salesperson. No. That's blaming the sales guy instead of taking responsibility where the manager says, you know, I really did a shitty job with this kid and I better not get turnover the next time because it cost us a bloody fortune. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I think, um, you know, so I'm, I'm writing a leadership book and, and one of the chapters or it's either one of the chapters or sections, I talk about uh, how uh, in leadership you have to take 100% accountability for everything, no matter what, whether it's your fault or not. And I think as a sales leader, you should always be thinking if my team isn't selling, it's my job, it's my responsibility to make sure that they have that belief, that they have the capability to do that mindset reset you were talking about, Jen, and then also that uh, that they're taking responsibility over, over those results as well. And that you have yeah. a role in encouraging that in your people like as as your employee I when you cheer me on like that sets me out into the world in that mindset I'm ready to go on and email people like Jeffrey Gittimer and get them on our show (laughs) and Jen Gluck (laughs) like we got like that was all as a result of like the two of us working together and you pumping me up to and doing that reset after we've had some mean emails that have come back and and really sort of berated us not from Jeffrey not not from Jeffrey we had one probably just didn't respond no 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 we had someone that she reached out it was just a total d-bag about yeah his 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 his, i had reached out to him and his bio was misinformed on his about me page and i had referenced that in the email and he was like i don't even talk about these things anymore and i was like well update your about me page then (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh man way to piss people off about who they are but that's okay yeah, um, it sounds like that I don't person's just to, pissed off. I anyway. don't want you to give his name because it wouldn't be. <laughs> oh, fair definitely him. not. Nah, no, we don't do no, that. no, don't do that. What does it rhyme with? <laughs> yeah, no, we don't do that. So, um, come on. So, so I want to, I want to um, 
I want to pretend that we're starting from scratch with something. So, so we have listeners that are all over the map. Some of them are fresh entrepreneurs. Some of them are seasoned. And I want to think about the person who has some trouble with sales, and we're going to build someone from scratch uh, into an amazing salesperson. I think some of the things that you've laid out as sort of tools of the trader, I guess, tools of, of your personality and spirit, you know, the belief and the mindset to, to, uh, to have the willingness to reset. But if you were going to start somebody out on the path towards being a great salesperson at their organization, they believe in what they're selling and they want to be great at it. What are some of the steps that you would start someone out with to be a great salesperson? I would have them read about attitude. Mm-hmm. I would have them and make sure this is good. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> That's so key. Every successful every successful person I've ever studied has had an extreme positive attitude through everything. You know, ups and downs of business, ups and downs of sales, not getting sales the entire time. So I think that's one of the keys. Want to take one, Jeffrey? Yeah. Um, your mother said, don't talk to strangers. I have made a bloody fortune talking to everyone. I talk to the person behind me in the Starbucks line. I talk to people in the elevator in New York City. I talk to the cabbie. I talk to the Uber driver. I talk he to the guy. He literally does. Yeah, yeah, I talk to everybody. I'm the same way. I totally get it. But, but I engage them deeply, not just superficially. I'm not interested in talking to somebody about the weather or how they're doing. I don't care how they're doing. I care what they think. And it can, it'll take a humorous bend or it'll take a personal bend, but whatever it is, I want to know their opinion. Um, that helps me in sales because that means I'm not afraid to ask somebody a question. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people get into sales because of the work flexibility. You don't have to go into an office every day. You can go you know, out and meet with customers whenever you can. <clears throat> and that leads to some people not working as hard as they could. And so for this person that we were building, I would create an amazing work ethic where they wake up, they study attitude, they get pumped up for their day, they research who they're going to be meeting with, they get everything prepared, and they work their butt off all day. I love that. I agree. Yeah. I, if, you don't work, if you're not working your ass off, something's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And it's probably that you don't have you know, the, the drive and the passion to be working hard. I mean, and the I, commitment. To yeah. It. I've, I've never yeah. worked harder in my life than when I started my company. And it's partly because I just absolutely love what I'm doing. <laughs> so, but I want to, I want to back up one step before that. So we're talking about, you know, they get up they're they're researching who they're talking to and they're excited to go and meet them. Um, some people don't have that full pipeline. Maybe they don't even know where to start on that. And you said, Jeffrey, you said, talk to everybody. And I fully believe that. And our business is, is a testament to that, that I know so many people just from meeting and talking to anybody, being willing to be generous with information and, uh, you know, making connections for them. And, and adding that value first too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what are, you know, if we go back, let's just say, again, we're building them from scratch. Now they're brand new. They don't have a book. They don't have a list of people to call. What are some of the things you might suggest that they do to begin building their book of how to they find that right person to talk to? How do they network There's their way to them? There's an easy way. There's talk an to me. easy way. Yep. There's an easy way. You go into your, you, you, you're an employee of a company. You go into the customer base of the company. You meet with top customers for 20 minutes and you talk to them and say, like, I'm new with, the, I'm new with your, you know, I'm a supplier of yours or I'm a, I'm a vendor of yours or I'm a partner of yours. And I just wanted to talk to you about how you use our stuff. And then I want to talk about why you bought our stuff. And I want 10 minutes. And if you talk to 25 of those people, it's the best education you could ever, ever have. 
So I remember reading something in one of your books, uh, or, or it was in the Little Red Book of Sales uh, Answers, where you had mentioned something similar to that. I, it might have been exactly that, to go and talk to a top customer. And, mm -hmm. and I, I'll be honest with you, my initial reaction was pure fear, pure gut <laughs> fear to do that because that's opening you up to actually getting some answers you may not like along the way, which, well, that's which okay, but that's stepping okay, back, but if, I think that's a great thing. To do it, it is a great thing. Mm -hmm. If you're afraid to do it, then get your job at Toys R Us and talk to little <laughs> kids about, you if know, they're what, still open. Yeah. I love toys. <laughs> true. But okay. get a job in the Lego division. You know, I mean, <laughs> there's, there's things that you can do that will, that will prep you for that. And one of them might be to get, one of your coworkers or one of your managers to go with you. And because they know the person. Mm -hmm. Just, listen, there's a, there's a thousand ways. If you don't think of an excuse, you might think of a solid reason. <laughs> I like that. So, I like that too. Yeah. So another way you can get out there and meet people in addition to networking is finding the people you want to meet. And just like you guys did reaching out to them and saying, I'm doing a podcast. And let's say you're selling to CEOs. I'm, I'm doing a podcast where I recognize CEOs and I ask them these five questions and I basically make them the star of the show. And I'd love to get your name out there. And it's ego bait, right? And they want to be the star. They want to show their name and lights and you interview them on the show. And then after the show, you have a conversation with them or you write a blog where you interview whoever it is you're trying to meet, and you make them shine. And every week you feature a different person in the industry in your newsletter or on your blog. And that's I, another good way to get in the door. I love, love, love that. We actually have a, a – our we're recording right now from our podcast studio in our offices, and we offer podcast for you services for, for anybody that wants to come in and we'll help them produce it. And one of the ones we always recommend is actually that exact idea. Why start a podcast? Not because you want to become John Lee Dumas or be on the top of iTunes, but because you get a chance to actually bring in prospects, talk to them, make them the star of the show – Get to know them better through the course of that, and then afterwards, possibly even just have a conversation about, you know, what their what problems they're going through in their business, and maybe how you might be able to help and all that. We say podcasting is one of the best new forms of business development that's out there, and I so I'm so glad that you brought that up because it reinforces our point. Thank you. That was not a plan. I swear to God, that, that was that was not. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm using it in a similar way. Like, and I, this sort of came to me after the fact, but when once we started our podcast, I realized that I was networking with all of these people that I would have never ever been exposed to, especially mm -hmm. at 22 years old. And I made sure to follow up with them on LinkedIn and Facebook. And like, I'm building a list for myself through the, through the exact same tactics that you guys are recommending. I just yeah. didn't have a name for it. Yeah. <laughs> and it goes back to Jeffrey's principle of value first. Yeah. Yep. And you're, you're offering them what you have too. You're saying, I don't want anything in, in return. I want to put you on, on the spotlight. I want to show you off right. to the world and exactly. to my audience and give them value and give you a place to talk about what makes you awesome. I want to bridge these two, this conversation with a question for Jeffrey. Um, because you had said something before about asking people questions in line at Starbucks and, and asking them emotional questions, asking what they think. And, and Jen, you talking about the podcast and us talking about the podcast as being a great way to do that and probing questions. Um, my business coach, you know, bashes me over the head all the time about asking better questions and keeping my mouth shut. Jeffrey, how do you come up with great questions to ask people? Where, what is the source of that? And how do you get to something that is actually emotionally um, charging and gets people to, to open up? I have a formula. I ask a question about them that makes them stop and think, consider new information, and respond in terms of me. 
That's the formula for asking an engagement question. Okay, give us an example. Yeah, I was just going to say thank you. <laughs> Will you marry me? I'm engaged. I'm sorry. That's a question. Of, <laughs> that's a question about the other person mm-hmm. that makes them stop and think, consider new information, and respond in terms of the asker. And there, men, of course, don't ask this question because uh, they don't want to make that four to five year commitment. But there is there is an ability for you to think about about anything uh, in terms of, of ins- let's say you're selling life insurance. Um, I might ask a question about I, I'll start a, a conversation with someone. I want to find something in common, of course. But then I'm going to find out, well, how long are you expecting to live? Would well, you just open up and ask uh, that? <laughs> Huh? Is that no, a question you would ask? That. No, okay. I wouldn't open up with that. But I, <laughs> but, I, but I would do it as one of my first questions that I'm going to ask after I've developed some rapport with them. That would definitely stop me in my it's tracks. Very exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, it's a ballsy and, question. And yeah. no one's ever asked them that before. That's true. Yeah. So I lo- the thing I love to get from somebody is for someone to say to me, no one's ever asked me that before. Oh, We're both sitting here pondering. Jeff yeah. has his fist to his mouth, <laughs> deep in thought. <laughs> I'm just thinking like that. That's that's a very so, Jeffrey. In all honesty, your brand is so very no, no, confronting. Lie to me. Come on, it's lie. so no. confronting, um, and and so ballsy. And I love that no, as someone well, who is it ballsy. Is. It's assertive, but it's not aggressive. Yes, absolutely. It, but it's direct. I'm asking, not telling. Yeah, yeah, it's direct. But for our listeners who may be less direct. Can you give some examples of ways that you could ask with that formula a question that may not feel as um, difficult to overcome the anxiety of even saying? Yeah. Let's say I'm going into a car dealership. Someone's going to come in and they want a, you know, a Lexus or they want a Chevy or whatever they want. And, and the, car, the car salesperson immediately is going to say, well, do you have a car to trade? Same with a real estate person. They're a bunch of, you know, they, most of them don't get it. But I would I would go up to the person and say, um, "How do you use your car right now?" Uh, uh, no one ever asked them that before. Or I would ask them, "Hey, what's your favorite car in the whole place?" And they would pick one out, and I say, "Let's take it for a drive." I haven't qualified the guy. I have not asked the guy how much money he has. If he has a trade in, I don't care. I'm going to create an experience for that guy. But he's going to tell somebody else. And somebody you're, else. You're making him feel valuable in that. You're making his input, his opinion right. valuable. More valuable ah. than selling just person to person. I care what you think about. I'm going to get to it's know that person that before I say yeah. yeah. I'm going to get to know that person way before I start a sales pitch. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm not going to start. So let's – um. You're asking questions, and and um, Jen, you're talking about in some ways networking and building relationships and all that. How are what are some of the ways that we can measure our success in doing things like this? You know, so so salespeople are generally going to be measured by dollars brought in, right? And there's a lot of things that are on the pathway to that. You know, Jeffrey asking a question in Starbucks to someone about, um, you know, whether they want to marry you, you know, <laughs> may not may not lead to a sale, maybe. Um, but but you know, what are some of the milestones or ways that we should be looking at our sales journeys? Uh, individually, and you know, should we be setting milestones for number of people talk to, or number of conversations opener? How do you guys generally advise people when they're starting in their career, when they're trying to become better salespeople, that they measure and monitor their success along the way? If if you've built that rapport and built that relationship to a strong enough place, and the and you call the person, 
and they don't answer your call the first time or the second time or even the third time, it's not as strong as you thought it was. And so I measure it by, are they answering my call right away? Are they returning my text? Do I have their text or their mobile phone number? Um, do they get back to me on email right away? How quick and how solid is their response? And how approachable do you appear to be? How easy is it for you to make that initial contact? And, and as I stated earlier, I talk to everybody. And that makes me understand how to approach everybody. Plus, I perform a random act of kindness every day, no matter what it is. Sometimes I hold the door for somebody and I'll say, you know, hurry up through. I'm from Jersey. This is the only <laughs> time this is going to happen. Or a cop will be in front of me in, in Starbucks and I'll say, hey, don't worry about it. I got it. And that's what you have to do in your life. Most people didn't even think about that. It's on my mind all the time. What's my what's my random act of kindness today? So I want to be a nice person and I want to be an assertive person, <laughs> not an aggressive person. The, the difference is very simple. Assertive people ask, aggressive people tell. So as you question people and build relationships and you get further along in, in these sort of when do you know when to flip that switch and begin having that? more in-depth sales conversations? Are there cues that you look for? Are there, uh, you know, just kind of timing milestones that you think of? How do you no. shift it's it into that zone? It's a gut. Yeah, it's a yeah. gut feeling. Yeah. Gut. How can we teach people a gut feeling? You can't. <laughs> you can't. I feel like experience, go right? Make a go it's make a thousand sales calls. Your gut will, you know. Yeah. I mean, if you have children, <laughs> you, you go with your gut. And if you have a boss, you go with your gut. If you have a customer, you go with your gut. Otherwise, you're looking for some chart or something that'll, well, this is my proof. Seriously, <laughs> Yeah, you can't, like, put yeah. it in an Excel doc and check off right. boxes. Ah, God, this is This one be... has medium gut feeling. God, this, this one's well, going to be I, tough I, for no, the no, step-by-step. No. Hey, step. look, look, look at the very first page of the little red book of sales answers, and you'll see a quote that starts out with, 74% of salespeople don't know the da-da-da-da-da. You see that? I'm looking right now. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, seventy percent, seventy-four percent of all salespeople don't know the best answer answers to their selling situations, opportunities, and barriers. Right now, where did I get that number? Uh, <laughs> hold on, I'm looking at the. Is there I a, made it up. I made it up. <laughs> God damn it! Yeah, I'm scanning through the pages. I'm like looking at the. Is there an index? Is there a oh, citation? It sounds good. Who the hell is going to prove me wrong? Correct. <laughs> If 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 uh, if if those numbers were correct, Hillary Clinton would be president of the United States, wouldn't she? Good God. Oh, so I'm I'm looking at it from the perspective of I'm going to have a good time engaging people, and I know in my heart of hearts that I can help them. If I if I believe I can help them, then I, I almost I can say anything to get them to a meeting. And it's I want to sit down and talk to them, and I'll tell them, you know, if I if I was in the insurance business, I would say, listen, everybody hates insurance. And the other guy goes, yeah. But everybody needs insurance. <laughs> yeah. I say, 74% of the people that have it have the wrong stuff. Now, I don't know if I can help you or not, but if you show me what you got, and I think I can help you, I'll tell you yes. If I don't think I can help you, I'll, I'll tell you that too. Is that fair enough? And they go, yeah, that's fair enough. Now, and I'll confess to them that I made the number 74% up. And they'll still take the meeting. 
<laughs> new tactic for True Voice Media. <laughs> well, it's not. It is a true. It is a good tactic. One hundred and ten percent of people who surveyed love our company. And our <laughs> I made that number up. It's actually one hundred and twenty. <laughs> okay, but you get the idea. Yeah, you get the general gist of it. Yeah, you it's adding that you humor in. Want, I'm not going to lie to somebody about the, you know the car's warrantied or the car's guaranteed or. If anything happens, I'll pay you back. I, I'm not doing that kind of crap. Mm-hmm. Um, but but to be light about it, to have fun with it, sure, I'll do it every time. Let's talk a little bit about preparation because you've both brought up preparation in a couple different ways. Um, we've talked about it emotionally and also being ready for the sales meeting itself. What are some of the steps that uh, I think in today's day and age of internet marketing and having Google and having LinkedIn and all those sort of things, you have access to a lot of information, but choosing where to focus that information on what's important, I think is uh, something people would probably need to know a little bit about. So can you talk to us a little bit about how you go about uh, preparing or advising that other people prepare themselves for sales meetings? In under 10 minutes, you can Google someone you can read a cup or skim a couple of articles, their find out a ton profile. about them. Right. Exactly. Go on their LinkedIn, see what they're tweeting, see what they're posting or not posting. You can find out a lot of information just by going on the internet. True. Yeah. And what are you looking on your for? phone? I'm what are you looking for, for most? I'm looking for something I have in common with them. I'm looking for something that I know a lot about or that I can talk to them about and create a conversation beyond their stuff. Yeah, and I'm looking for that and, and their thoughts. I want to know what they're thinking about, what's important to them right now. And then I'm going to engage them about them. Not, not about me. I, they don't need to know I wrote the Little Red Book of Selling. They probably already <laughs> they know probably it. They probably already know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a strategic advantage, but I don't pound it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I talk to them about them. And they realize that, oh, this guy gets it or he gets me. And then I move forward. You know, I would but say salespeople sales are too busy pitching, could, which could be the dumbest thing on the planet because I don't want to hear your pitch. And it, it feels like everybody else. I love pitching. You know? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I love I love the idea of like when you're invited to pitch an idea and, and doing that in a way that's interesting and yeah, entertaining. That's okay. I, yeah, I but, like that. I'm not invited to do it. Exactly. Not, uh, that's still about you. <laughs> yeah, that's me. I just, I just like the spotlight. So <laughs> thank you for the uh, five minutes that you'll be giving me. Uh, yeah, next if you want to pitch somebody, go to, go to uh, Gino's <laughs> and try to pitch them once not speaking English. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. They're, they don't like that. They don't like that at all. They're very big fans of that. They're, they're not a fan. They are not kneeling for the anthem. Well, before I take us into an utterly ridiculous direction, uh, I'm going to assume based upon everything that uh, you've written, Jeffrey, and everything that we've seen from you, Jen, and and everything we've covered here, that there is no one answer to any one area of sales, but it's really about navigating that terrain, reading it, preparing yourself, and and really understanding the other person and what they need so that you can make the sale. Did I miss anything? No, you have to have three answers for everything and know which one to use based on the person you're talking to. Love it. And and you have to ask for the sale. I don't know if we put that in our perfect yeah. um, person yeah. that we were creating from scratch. But if you're going to go out there and do the research and meet with the person and build a relationship and, and get all excited about this whole process and then not ask for the sale. You're an idiot. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So ask for the sale. Yeah. And one other thing that um, I'm going to just call out from from your book, Jeffrey, uh, is setting the next steps is not leaving without a next steps. I think that's huge. Yeah, exactly. 
that's something that we've we've started doing ourselves internally a lot more. Um, I and I and I want to share an awesome tip with both of you, which is, may seem completely commonplace to you. So maybe this is more for the audience. But um, we recently found that in um, I started thinking about it, and I realized that the first step after we had a conversation with someone and we sat down with them and started talking more was to do like a whole discovery process, ask a lot of questions, this and that, and the other thing. I started just sending that document before that meeting, just letting people fill it out, offering a money back just to do it. And I found that their level of investment increased and the number of follow-up meetings that actually got scheduled where we could sit down and where I didn't have to ask them all of those basic questions about what CRM they're using and all that nonsense. And I could actually talk to them more about what they're really trying to accomplish because I already had all of the data. It's increased our sales rate dramatically. I don't have a measurement, but it's been good. I don't 74%. I don't disagree with that. If you, if you, they're doing your research for you, they're doing the preparation for you. I mean, they're now showing up. They've given you the information, and now you can more easily build a relationship with them because you have the answers. Exactly. And and I would not say, please fill out this form. I would say, I Googled you. I've researched you completely. These are the questions that I could not find the answer to myself. Mm. And That's I was fair. wondering if you could help me. And That's that fair. way it's not like, please fill out this form because I'm too freaking lazy. <laughs> Damn it, Jeffrey. Why are you going to call me out like that, man? Putting you on blast. Damn. Not you, not you. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I'm just kidding. Yeah, uh, no, not you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, somebody other than you. Because <laughs> I'm not lazy. Because it wouldn't be you. Heck yeah. no. It's heck not me. It's not me. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. all right, well, we got to go. All right. Um, Thank you for taking the time with us. Uh, before I let you go, oh, tell everyone you. tell everyone where they can find you. Tell them where they can connect with you online. Be social with you. Uh, anything else you want to say? This is your part of the show. Go. I'm at Jen in a New York Minute on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Jennifer Gluckow, sales in a New York Minute.com. Cool. And we'll you can find notes. me at Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com, or better, go to the Gittimer Learning Academy and uh, .com. And register for all kinds of stuff. And you might want to check out our podcast, Sell or Die. Heck uh, go, yeah. Go to, go to Overcast, uh, download the app, and uh, search Sell or Die. Subscribe to the show. Click on the fact that you might like us. <laughs> and then check in. You'll be notified for the next episode, and you'll you'll really like it. Yeah, and, and, it, and we fully endorse that. But before you go hitting stars on any of their episodes, make sure you do it on ours because you do and I have both. Been, we've been jockeying for position and uh, don't think are I you on overcast? Yeah, yeah, we, we are. are. We've been oh, on the, okay. the top five for business and we saw yeah. you like fly we're past kicking. us at one point. And I was like, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, do the fair answer and say, start both of them, guys. Yeah. There's enough room to love both. That's exactly. true. Exactly. <laughs> you could love all three JGs and one CT. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. You guys have been such a amazing guests. We really appreciate you taking the time. You're the bomb. This show was shareable. Nice. There are a couple thank yous and shout outs in order. First, thank you to Ray Bueno for all of that sexy production value and a quick thank you to me for producing the show. I'd like to send a shout out to DJ Quads for the use of our theme song Always and A. Himitsu for the use of our outro song Adventures. You can follow Jeff on Twitter at Jay Gibbard, and you can follow me at Caroline Tassone. You can follow the show at shareable underscore pod and just shareable podcast on everything else. That's Facebook, the gram, everything. You can email us at sharablepodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to our email list at sharablepodcast.com slash subscribe. Do all the things. Subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating. Review us on iTunes. Tell a friend. Tell your mom. I don't know. She might like it. My mom does. Hey, mom. 